legacy means a lot of things to a lot of people. To some, it's lasting integrity. It's building and maintaining a history of greatness. It's making an impact on people and community. For others, it's dependable security and assurance in an uncertain time. To us, it's all of that and more. It's a mindset of brother and sisterhood of hardworking people dedicated to doing the right thing for you and those you care about. Of growing today for a better tomorrow. That's what legacy means at Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group. What does it mean to you? Let's talk legacy. Welcome, everybody. I'm Gary Michaels, and uh, we're really excited today because we have Mr. Joe Phoenix on with us, who's the co-founder and CEO of Givinga, a financial technology firm focused on redefining philanthropy through modern technology, which which so fits into leaving a legacy and what this show is all about. So welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So let's dig in a little bit. So your vision for how you wanted to create impact really started late in your career after maybe 30 years of experience in global asset management, correct? Yeah, that's right. 30 years. And then you turned 50 and realized you wanted to leave what you called a, a legacy impact. And as you know, our show's all about legacy. So tell us, what does legacy mean to you? And what happened at 50 that lit the fire underneath you to, to start this? <laughs> oh, it's a it's a series of events, really. I mean, I, and I don't think you can discount turning 50 as one of the main ones. Uh, I think that, you know, when we all kind of hit that number, you start to realize that uh, you're counting backwards uh, right. from that point versus moving forward. And I think it just um, gave me a uh, opportunity to assess what I had contributed to society, my family, where I wanted, you know, my contributions to be going forward. And it was really the fire that kind of started all of this was that was that milestone turning fifty. And I think that if I was to give you an answer to what legacy is, I mean, it, I think it's as simple as it's really one word. It's a gift. Right. I mean, it's something that you as an individual are contributing back to society in general and its impact that, that you can make. And I assess my career and my career in financial services was very fulfilling. It was successful. I really enjoyed what I did, but it didn't really have much of a legacy impact to it. It was positively impactful to me personally. But when I kind of poked my head up and looked around and asked myself 20 years from now, is there anybody going to care about what I've done? Did it matter? Did it help anybody? You know, the honest answer was no. So with the second part of my career, that's really what I wanted to focus on. So Givinga, how did the name Givinga come up? I wish I had a really interesting answer for you, but uh, the company is all about giving. And as we started looking through the various websites and domain names that we had access to. We put an A on the end of giving and ran it through the system and lo and behold, no one had picked it up. So uh, it just seemed like a perfect and appropriate name for what we were trying to build. Love it. So Gabinga is a financial technology firm. Yeah. For people that may not be familiar what that means, tell us a little bit about the financial technology space in general. Sure. I would say that we are, we are what I refer to as a philantech company, which is a combination of fintech and these cool philanthropic vehicles. So the, 
What Philantech does is it takes financial technology, and all financial technology is, is technology that makes it easier for you to transact, you know, whether it's investment transactions, banking transactions, financial transactions. Technology just makes it easier for you. And why I call it Philantech is because doing things philanthropically has really never been easy. Uh, and the the smaller that you are, the more difficult and efficient that process of giving money away charitably is. And what you find is when you wrap tech around anything, so think about any industry that has the word tech at the end of it, whether it's biotech or fintech or health tech or ed tech, I mean, the list goes on and on. What you find is the minute that that word tech is added to an industry, it immediately opens that industry up. It allows users who haven't had access to things, access. Uh, it fosters innovation and creativity, and it democratizes, for lack of a better term, the ability for people to gain access to something. So all Philantech is, is taking vehicles and instruments that have been around, in some cases, for decades, and wrapping them with technology and making the whole, the whole idea of giving money away charitably, no matter what you are giving in gift size, is more efficient more easy and more impactful. So a person listening to our show, and we have all different folks, when they hear the word philanthropist, often they feel like, oh my gosh, I have to be the big, yeah. you know, Bill Gates, you know, like some sort of <laughs> right. crazy, tons of money. But first of all, what is the definition of philanthropist? And are the people that that's all they do? Or is it something that's mixed into a person's life? Talk a little bit about that. Well, it's interesting. We're trying to change the the definition of philanthropist. So let's let's uh, let's play a little game here, okay? So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna put the word philanthropist out there, and you tell me what words come to mind, right? I mean, when when I say philanthropist, what do you think? I think, and I'll tell you what I think. I think rich, uh, exclusive, never gonna get there. You know, tech executive, someone that has their own private personal foundation spends a lot of time giving money back, has made a lot of money in their in their career. Uh, so it's a very exclusive word. And I don't think that most people get up in the morning saying to themselves, you know something, I want to become a philanthropist. I mean, people are worried about going to work, putting money uh, in the bank for their kids' college education, their own retirements. And when it gets to this whole concept of giving money away to charity, most of us are donors, not philanthropists. And there's mm -hmm. a huge difference between those two words, right? So a philanthropist is also someone that has a plan, has a structure, has a strategy around what they're doing with these large sums of money. Most of us as donors are purely reactive in the way that we give, give money to charity. We normally do it and it's event-based, it's inefficient, it's hugely expensive. And we don't really have a centralized platform that allows us to plan. We kind of go from event to event and we wait until something pops up and then we pull out extensive credit cards and give to charities through extensive platforms. So we're trying to take all of these people that want to make a difference by donating money and introducing them into, you know, all these cool philanthropic vehicles that allow them to do that much more efficiently. What are some of these tools that people now have access to so that they can move from donor to closer to philanthropist? Or like yeah. Well, to me, it's all about making things easy, uh, making them transparent, maximizing the impact of every dollar that you're giving away. So 
Um, we can talk a little bit more about this in, uh, in details we go through, but the donor advice fund is a tool that's available to everybody in the United States. No one knows what it is. No one knows how it works. It's the most efficient giving vehicle on the planet. It's been around for 90 years. Uh, it's a $150 billion uh, industry, but most people who've given money to charity don't even know that that, that, that product exists. Um, there's campaign functionality, which is now kind of linking technology together with some of these vehicles that allow you to easily fundraise. Some people may have may be familiar with that. It's technology with companies like GoFundMe that allow you to campaign and fundraise for individuals. This technology allows you to do the same thing for charitable organizations, causes that are important to you. It's the ability to link uh, to other individuals that share your interests or share you know, your views, your causes, and the ability to link together with your company easily and efficiently. So it's just all of these tools that have been floating around there kind of independently through technology, you can put on one simple, really easy to use platform and give people access so that they can start to innovate and maximize the amount of impact that they're having. Got it. So there, there are many traditional barriers to, to philanthropy and the industry has been stagnant and inaccessible for far too long. And that's one of the reasons why you wanted to get involved in this. Yeah, absolutely. What are those barriers? Well, I think the barriers, uh, you can, you can kind of classify the barriers into a, a few different categories. I think, you know, one is just, uh, purely dollars that, that are required. So don't, as I said, the donor advice fund industry is an industry that's been around for 90 years. It's never been disrupted. It's never had an entrant that's come in to kind of rethink how these structures are, are being used. So in many cases, uh, five, 10 years ago, in order to create a donor advice fund, you need to have $10,000 to start. And you couldn't give away any less than $250 as you, as you went. So that just limited that very important vehicle to a very small percentage of people that wanted to, to get active. What technology and the overall environment allows us to do is it allows us to go in and rethink how a vehicle like that is being used. So you can create a donor advice fund with no minutes. You can allow people to give small amounts of money away. You can link donor advice fund assets to other assets. You can track all of that activity. So there's just a, you know, there's a number of these types of uh, vehicles that are out there that really help you kind of break through these barriers that get created. So would you say you're modernizing and changing the way people give? Yeah, we're redefining. I mean, that's modernizing for sure. I think that, you know, once again, we're trying to get people to turn from being donors to being philanthropists. And, and there is a difference, right? Donating is a reactive kind of once every, once every while type of activity. Being philanthropic is really more of an active, proactive plan approach to give. And you can't proactively plan if you don't have the tools that allow you to do that. You don't have tools that allow you to research charitable organizations to raise money through campaigns, to link with outside parties, to work together with your company. All those things have been out there and available. They just haven't been located on one centralized platform. So who typically contacts you guys and says, we want some help with this? Is it a company? Is it an individual? Is it both? So our, our platform has really been built for the 
the, the corporate side of the world. Um, and I think that uh, companies are feeling what's occurring in the marketplace probably the most acutely right now. So if you think about what corporate America is thinking about some of the key themes, I mean, there's been a lot written about the rise of the powerful employee and how generationally things are changing for companies. And we absolutely agree with that. You know, changes is, is coming, changes here in many cases. And companies are beginning to understand that giving money to charity and giving money through and with their employees, what used to be a check the box exercise for companies is now becoming a strategic part of how that company is running their business. And it's strategic because companies are acquiring talent and selling products based on answering a question of what that company's uh, social footprint looks like. So I can be the best maker of widgets on the planet, but before employees join my company, they want to know what else am I doing? How am I making an impact in the, in the world? How can I, as an employee, link together and leverage what the company is doing? And this is becoming a strategic part of how companies are, you know, building these programs. So that would be, that would be the primary focus for, for where we are. Um, but, you know, companies are, are, um, the, the definition of how we focus on companies is a little bit different in that, you know, it's not just, companies that are trying to link together with employees, but it's companies that have a fundamental and philosophical desire to attach some sort of philanthropic activity to their businesses. So we can create platforms that allow companies to link to employees. We also have a number of customers that are giving money directly to charity that are using this technology to do that. So they have a day job of making widgets, but there's a piece of that company that they that they want to have that is focused on taking part of what they're earning and easily shifting that to charitable uh, organizations. The technology allows for that. And so the platform allows an employee, maybe if a company decides we're going to have eight charities or however many charities it is, or and then they can choose how they want to invest in it. The company actually can also invest in those same companies and. They can see how they're partnering together on the whole process, right? They can do research. Yes. So the administrator of the company would see a dashboard that tracks all giving activity across the organization. So not only the corporate activity, but it tracks all the employee activity, employee accounts. Uh, it shows where money has gone from corporate through the employee out to charity. It tracks all the dollars that are moving to charity, all the dollars that are sitting in charities that you know haven't been cashed yet. It's just an administrative tool that really hasn't existed. Uh, most of these corporate platforms have been run by someone with an Excel spreadsheet that's then you know responsible for tracking the giving campaign while they're doing their day job. So this provides a centralized, user-friendly platform for that administrator. So you say, did the money get to the charity and have they even cashed it and done anything with it yet? It could go that far? Absolutely. One, one of the biggest problems that people have with charitable giving is there's just a general lack of transparency. So your money goes to charity and you a, don't know if it got to the right place. You don't know whether the charity, you know, used your funds the way that you wanted. And quite frankly, on the other side, the charity doesn't know who you are. And so what this platform does is it opens that it makes that transparency uh, readily available to both sides. From the employee standpoint, 
Um, you know, companies now, we've had corporate matching in the United States since the early 1950s, and it really has never changed, right? It's always been kind of this uh, platform that's been very difficult to use. From my experience in, you know, my past lives, we had matching programs that, you know, I basically had to manage myself as the employee. I had to get involved with HR. HR then had to check on the charities. It was very arduous. It was very time consuming. So I just didn't use it. But um, what this platform allows me to do is it allows me to very easily access them. And as an employee, I have my own personalized giving account. I have access to, you know, two and a half million charities on the platform. Companies curate those lists so that you can really manage your giving around the core competencies and core that, you know, fundamental uh, belief set that the, uh, that the employer has. It's just an easy way to take all of this activity and centralize it. So the employees in the company can see where they've done everything too. And then the administrator at the company can see the whole picture. Exactly. And and there could be security to it too. If, if some people don't want necessarily, they want the platform to be open, but they don't necessarily want their boss to know where all their money goes. Yeah, that's right. It's very similar to how, you know, corporate 401k plan works versus an, uh, an employee's individual IRA account. I mean, it's the same, it's the same thing conceptually. That corporate 401k where the company is matching and providing funds gives great flexibility to that, that company, but individuals can set these accounts up uh, on their own where they're giving money to wherever they want. Did I hear you correct that customers also, if they know the corporation is involved in this sort of program, can there be questions asked to customers if they also want to participate? Absolutely. I, I refer to that as external versus internal participation. And I mean, the cool thing about, you know, 501c3 organizations is they have great flexibility to allow individuals from inside of the company and outside of the company all to participate around causes that they share. So the ability for companies to really think about, okay, we're going to run a matching program. In the old days, that was arduous, driven by the employee. None of my employees really used it. I didn't have visibility into how the program was running or, you know, what percentage of my employees had adopted or were using the platform. And I certainly couldn't ever push anything like this out to customers that wanted to participate. All of that's now changing. Got it. Okay. So for entrepreneurs and business owners listening, and there's a lot of them, I understand that you say you have five main rules that you follow for building, leading, and managing teams. Could you share those with us? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't think that these are going to be too surprising to anybody, but the, you know, there are things that I that I found in the thirty plus years that I've been involved with building companies, running teams, managing people, and I pretty much abide by them as you know religiously as I can. I think uh, the first one would be you know know what your strengths are. And be honest with yourself about what you're good at, what you're not good at. In the areas where you're not good, go fill those positions with the best possible people, you know, so that those people can fill the gaps that you have uh, and then get out of the way. So it's really know your strengths, hire the best to fill your weaknesses and then literally get out of the way. People do their jobs. The second one would be, uh, you know, don't be afraid to be the dumbest person in the room. I try and hire uh, above me and I try and surround myself with people that you know, know a lot more than I do. I mean, our whole company has uh, examples of 
people in meetings that I'll walk into where I'm literally the dumbest person that's that's standing in that room as it relates to what's trying to uh, to get done. And I think if you can get comfortable with asking questions and you know letting everybody know that you're not the person that has all of the answers, but you're you know you're in you're in the room and you're learning along with everybody else. It's extremely empowering. The third one that kind of goes along with the second one is you know try to hire your next boss. I'm always looking uh, and I always challenge the people that work for me to look for somebody that, you know, could at some point, you know, you could end up reporting to and really try and hire people who you could put in a position of authority that's significantly higher than where they are right now. And that gets to number four, which is, you know, if your team looks like you, uh, it's a weak team. This is an obvious one, but I think that you know, one of the mistakes that we make uh, as we're as we're hiring is we tend to look for people that kind of share our common interests and, you know, we feel comfortable within a room. I, I, I like friction where friction is positive and you only get friction if you have competing viewpoints and you have a an atmosphere that not only challenges those viewpoints to come out, but really promotes that that difference of opinion. And that kind of gets to number five, which is you know, I really try to encourage friction, independence, and diversity of opinion, but I make sure that they orbit around and support a clear and uncompromising, you know, core set of corporate values. So what does the company believe in? What are our core set of values? And then, you know, let's put people in place that don't always agree on everything, but do it in a positive way to get the company so it's moving forward. You know, we're not we're not in a room to kind of sing kumbaya with one another, but we're certainly hiring people that are respectful of each other's, uh, you know, independent kind of thoughts and willing to listen to each one of those and, uh, you know, move the company forward in a positive and uh, successful fashion. Yeah, and, and if those things are happening, it, it certainly fosters almost like a servant mentality. Absolutely. And which goes into the, you know, the giving. It does. Okay. A lot's talked about corporate culture. And at the end of the day, culture is just another word for people, right? And your culture is defined by not only the people that you hire, but, you know, the ground rules that are laid uh, where everybody understands exactly what the company is trying to do and then, uh, you know, starts moving in lockstep. It's all about getting people, you know, rowing in the same direction. Got it. So how are you helping your clients, um, Joe, through Govinga Create? and uphold a legacy for themselves, their families, and their companies? Well, I think that we're facilitating what companies just generally have been trying to do and, uh, you know, have been focused on for, you know, decades. I think that if you look at specifically United States companies, there is a long legacy of charitable giving that's associated with these firms. That, That goes for you know, large companies, small companies, old companies, new companies, uh, the legacy of giving in the United States, specifically at the corporate level, has, you know, it's a rich, very old, very long tradition. I don't think that corporate giving has been super efficient. I think that, you know, as we talked a little bit earlier, these programs that get put in place just have lacked the ability to really foster corporate impact really link that company together with its employees and its customers and its community, quite frankly, and really drive a, 
a corporate strategy of giving throughout the organization. So really what we're doing is we're taking what's already going on in corporate America and just providing companies with the ability to really think and innovate around how they're they're giving money away and interacting with their employees. So I think at times uh, corporate America gets castigated a bit for you know not giving more, checking the box, or you know not really being thoughtful. And I think that there's a lot going on in corporate America. You know, company executives have a lot of things to think about when they wake up every morning. This tends to fall towards the bottom of you know what they're what they've thought about to this point. And what we're trying to do is elevate that and show companies how having a robust platform like this and linking together with their employees and their consumers is just really, really good for business. It's really good for the communities that they serve. And at the end of the day, it's really good for these charitable organizations that are desperately, you know, in need of resources and dollars and employee time and all the things that companies can really get. So with this whole Gavinga concept, how have you worked to create a legacy for yourself personally, maybe in a different direction than what you've done professionally? Or are they intertwined? And they're big time intertwined right now. I mean, if, if you ask me what you know my legacy was, I would say it's Gavinga Inc. I mean, that's that's really what I'm I'm viewing as the legacy the whole company is built around, you know, this desire to really get involved. When you think about, you know, we're a five-year-old startup, we're, you know, still growing. We have Corporate Gavinga Inc., and then we have a foundation of a 501c3 public charity. It sits in the middle. It's called the Gavinga Foundation. Those two things are part of this Philantech platform. So this little tiny company this year will give $70 million away to charity. Um, we'll give to 40,000 charities across the United States. This is up from 200,000 that we gave to charity three and a half years ago. Um, so that feels legacy to me. Do you have an end game? Like when we're doing a billion dollars or do you yeah. have something that's out there? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, end game's interesting because this kind of is the end game. This is kind of my, my second career. And I think that, you know, if you were, if you were going to ask us about our BHAG, I don't know. BHAG rings a bell. For yeah. You, big, hairy, audacious goal. Love it. There yeah. it is. Yeah. So, you know, the BHAG for us would be to be literally the stripe of giving, right? Where if someone is giving money away and they're looking for a way to give more efficiently, our platform plugs into that, into that giving functionality. And if we start to do that, you could start talking about a billion dollars a year being given to charity through a platform like this. You know, it, it's, Big and it's audacious, um, but that's kind of why we're we're in this, and I think that it aligns so well with what's going on right now. So, I guess the last question I have for you: if someone's listening and they're either an executive in a company or they know somebody that is, and they want to get some more information about this, where do they go? They can contact me directly. I've got a super difficult email. It's Joe at Gavinga and that's J O E at Gavinga and they can certainly contact me directly. They can go right onto our website. There are a number of ways to contact anyone that they need to talk to there from the charity experts to the sales team. You know, I'd say website or me directly. Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much. This has been really enlightening. I want to thank you for your time today. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn more, visit us at southwesternlegacy.com. Shoot us an email via our easy contact form to find out how you can become an agent or how we can meet your needs for final expense coverage. You can find this and other episodes at letstalklegacypod.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's Talk Legacy is a presentation of the Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group, a member of Southwestern Family of Companies.